0: So this is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 54. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. Towards this end, it has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, we form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. That panel consists of Jim McCarty, Austin Bridges, and myself, each a devoted student of the Law of One. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion that allows us to probe a bit below the surface of challenging metaphysical questions. Our replies, while hopefully decent, are not the final word on these subjects. We always ask each who listens to exercise their discernment and listen for their resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our Humble Podcast relies on your questions. You may either send in an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast in the now. Jim McCarty and Austin Bridges, are you guys uh, ready to embark?
1: I believe so. I think I am. All right.
0: Well, we've got a long-form question from uh, Vanessa, who has sent us a couple of good questions in the past. Uh, Vanessa writes, actually, I think these all came from the same email. Uh, She writes, The next suggestion I have for podcast topic requires some preface. Last week, a client was bemoaning that I do not advertise and that I could be of assistance to more people if they knew about my specializations. He asked me if I had... Ever heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Of course, I replied. He then told me that it was not my job to make the horse drink. It was my job to make them thirsty. Well, that pitch landed on me very hard. Not in terms of the small picture of my business, but in terms of the big picture that is life on this planet, here, now. I started to reflect upon how we as wanderers can be of service by making people thirsty for love light and the experience of balanced self-conscious awareness. In the Kriya Yoga tradition, we lead by example and inspire others by living a peaceful, serene, and balanced life. By balancing our own self-awareness and polishing the rough edges off of our own personalities, we continually bless the life that surrounds us. But this pitch, it got me thinking about how wanderers can be more active in blessing and inspiring the life that surrounds us. I'd like to hear a discussion about practical ways in which we might do this. For instance, my yoga preceptor suggested that one way we can inspire others is by not focusing on pithy, unimportant subjects when we are in social situations. We can have casual conversations about topics that are spiritually intriguing. For instance, instead of talking about fashion and football, talk a little bit about astrology, which most people have heard of and are mildly interested in. Of course, always keeping in mind that you want to speak to your audience in terms they can relate to and carefully trying to be mindful not to turn them off or overload them with complicated vocabulary and information they cannot understand. I guess, side note, I guess that rules out the law (laughs) of one. So I'm interested in hearing a discussion on the juicy subject of practically and actively, quote, making people thirsty. She adds, for balance, love, and light. Thanks so much. So, Jim, you've got your work cut out for you. What do you think?
1: (laughs) Well, I kind of think that she had it going the way I would choose with the Kriya Yoga precepts of uh, teaching by example until you're asked. I don't really think it's our job to make people thirsty. Um, That might actually be considered a kind of an infringement on a person's free will. You'd be telling them what they should be thinking about on their spiritual journey. I think more, it's our role as people who want to be teach learners and learn teachers to help people quench the thirst that they already have. Uh, And we need to wait until they come to us and ask us about it. Or if we're, you know, like she said, maybe, you know, something along the lines of uh, dropping a hint here and there about something we're interested in without having a predetermined idea that we want to preach. we, uh, we can share our thoughts and personal experiences and then let people know what's worked for us. Um, I think we can do our best to answer their questions by sharing what's really in our hearts and minds, uh, kind of like little seeds that are cast upon the ground. Uh, if the conditions are right, they'll grow. Um, in 17.2, Don asks a similar sort of question to Ra. And he says, Is it possible to help an entity to reach fourth density level in these last days? I am Ra. It is impossible to help another being directly. It is only possible to make catalysts available in whatever form. The most important being the radiation of realization of oneness with the Creator from the self. Less important being information such as we share with you. We ourselves do not feel an urgency for this information to be widely disseminated. It is enough that we have made it available to three four, or five. This is extremely ample reward, for if one of these obtains fourth-density understanding due to this catalyst, then we shall have fulfilled the law of one in the distortion of service. We encourage a dispassionate attempt to share information without concern for numbers or quick growth, among others. That you attempt to make this information available is, in your term, your service. The attempt, if it reaches one, reaches all. We cannot offer shortcuts to enlightenment. Enlightenment is of the moment, is an opening to intelligent infinity. It can only be accomplished by the self for the self. Another self cannot teach learn enlightenment, but only teach learn information, inspiration, or sharing of love, of mystery, of the unknown, that makes the other self reach out Begin the seeking process. That ends in a moment. But who can know when an entity will open the gate to the present? So I think, uh, as Ra said, we don't need to be worried about numbers. Um, I think the fellow who was talking to her was trying to get her... uh, She obviously is impressed with her abilities, which is a good thing. But I I don't think we need to be counting numbers. You know, we've gotten that message from Ra before. And we don't need to be totally uh, dedicated to an outcome for our sharing of information. We don't have to see results right away. We just you know, take the moment as it comes and when the opportunity presents itself, offer what you have to offer freely, openly and then go on your way. Austin, what do you think?
2: Was that a, uh, a preview of the recording you're doing for the Law of One? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, guess, same thing. I appreciate Vanessa's question and uh, the thought put into it. I can tell that she really wants to help awaken people but not impose her own ideas or her own spirituality on others, but she still wants to be of service. And I can relate to her question because I have one foot of my life, my non-LL research foot solidly planted in a world of people who don't really have a concept of spirituality. The general sentiment among them is sort of um, anti-religious atheism or agnosticism with heavy value placed on the scientific community. And how to relate to these people on a spiritual level is probably one of the biggest Themes of my life lately. So, the first thing I would say is that uh, I agree with Jim a lot, and that uh, living by example is probably more powerful than you think. Um, we obviously are not going to receive feedback on all the ways that we affect people just by living lives of love and uh, balance and peace and doing our best to be of service. And uh, people will see that and um, will be inspired. And then I also agree that um, the notion of making them thirsty could potentially uh, lead to thinking that you need to... uh, You expect results from something or that you want to lead somebody somewhere instead of having them find it on their own free will. So... um, I agree with that part, but I will say that um, I do think that there is an attitude that you can take in situations like this. And I'll give examples from my own life, uh, having lived with friends who are uh, very much non-spiritual. So uh, one thing I have done and am doing is sort of reorienting how I relate to people uh, within this world who have different interests and different values. For instance, uh, Vanessa called subjects like fashion and sports unimportant, and I would argue with the notion that these things are unimportant. I don't have interest in them myself, Uh, they aren't necessarily important in my life directly, and I don't want to seem like I'm criticizing Vanessa for expressing that they are unimportant, uh, since I'm pretty much on the same page. But, I think that if somebody else views it as important, if it is a passion of theirs in their life, then it is innately important. They are the creator, and so that thing is then important to the creator. Um, so I think that, uh, by defining those things as unimportant, we take ourselves out of an attitude that could connect with people and, uh, Sports and fashion are massive hobbies within our society, along with many other things that um the new age spiritual community might consider unimportant um, and they are there's lots of things important in uh many people's lives that seem transient and aren't necessarily lasting. but my approach and attitude towards them is not necessarily asking myself how can i get someone to turn away from these things that i think are unimportant sports fashion and other such things and to turn them towards things that i place value on such as astrology and spirituality instead i try to understand the underlying emotion or the underlying current of the hobby or the topic and i will use sports as an example uh, because it is prominent in my life right now. Uh, my girlfriend is probably the biggest sports fan that I know, at least when it comes to college basketball and her team just won the national championship last night. So I've been on a month long journey of, uh, stress, anxiety, joy, and sadness. Um, uh, a primary connection point, uh, for her and our friends that we share is sports, uh, sports. And by contrast, I've always said that I am missing the part of my brain that allows me to enjoy sports. And so there's a lot of ground to cover in attempting to understand and connect these people, especially in this past month of what is known as March Madness. Um, So I think the initial stage in this example is just orienting yourself to empathize with their passion. I may not appreciate sports, but they love it. And so I can allow myself to get into the spirit and feel the passion when they watch and when they talk about sports. And a great way to participate in discussions when you don't understand a topic is to ask questions about it, uh, which is an opportunity to present some sort of spiritual insight or introspection or self-investigation. For instance, regarding sports, I could ask how somebody felt when they won a huge game, or how they feel recovering from a big loss, or what it's like to be in a stadium with thousands of other fans in some unified consciousness, or what their favorite rituals and chants are, what their superstitions are, and I've found that a lot of sports fans are very superstitious, and there's a sort of a spiritual aspect to superstition, I think. It's a sort of a magical mentality and um, I can ask how sports affects the rest of their lives and how it carries into uh, everything else that they do. And people tend to love talking about this stuff, and it helps me understand their passion more, which usually uh, helps me to connect with them on a deeper level and gets them thinking about it more in a sort of, they might not define it as a spiritual way, but I think it does get them thinking about it in more of a spiritual way. It's sort of, considering the way that they feel about things and their role within this uh, cultural phenomenon. So uh, my goal in trying to understand things like this is to sort of find out what role it plays in the human psyche, or in the Law One terms, how it relates to that person's energy centers. And I've found it fascinating to grow an understanding of sports in particular, and sports fans and the mentality around team favoritism and group mentality, there's something very tribal and primal about how sports fans interact with each other and with the game. There's uh, there's a lot of chanting, which I think, like, chanting is a very spiritual thing at every sports game. And uh, every tribe has its unique chant that unifies them in some grand purpose. And there are dances and ceremonial garb and uh, <laughs> war paint and... Um, probably most significantly, a shared group mind within all of these tribes. They are all so unified towards a common goal and purpose and emotion. And I think that that tribal identity, this identifying with something bigger than themselves and releasing their individual identity to this larger identity, is activating and catalyzing the orange and yellow race centers. And Uh, Obviously, in sports fandom, it can be expressed in distorted and imbalanced ways, but ultimately, the sports fan phenomenon really seems to me like uh, simply a way to explore a very real and persistent part of our consciousness. Um, So, then for me to come to that understanding, I can share that in different ways with the sports fans. Instead of trying to turn them on to whatever I'm interested in, whether it's the law of one or astrology or spirituality as I define it, uh, I can sort of um, paint my perception of their passion with my spirituality without being direct about it. I can comment on themes, things that seem uh, sacred or significant to them, and I can empathize with their primal emotions of what they're feeling and observe the source and comment on it. And share my own deeper understanding of their passion that uh, they may uh, find helps them connect to it on a deeper level and think about it more. And it uh, might not necessarily be spiritual by the New Age definition, but I do certainly think that it is spiritual in a sense um, when these seemingly transient things, which are so important to people, uh, help to get them to think more about themselves. So the sports is just one example of uh, a subject which is ripe for finding these sorts of deeper relationships. I think it can be done with basically anything that somebody is passionate about. It seems like a, a good general rule to me that if somebody is passionate about something, then there is some sort of spiritual undercurrent that can be found there somewhere, whether it's fashion or sports or politics or Um, Anything that we might tend to feel is unimportant to us, it can still have significance and spiritual value. And I think that finding that is really the key to helping people awaken in a certain sense, even if it doesn't look like an awakening as we're used to it being in a spiritual community. Uh, So, Gary, what do you think about it?
0: I thought that was most excellent, and I'm glad that I am not the only one on this team that has long replies. Um, your reply made me think of Ra talking about their experience on Venus. Don was asking about the group in third density on Venus, um, that was harvestable. You know, they had chosen service to others and wanted to progress and were awake spiritually and how that group related to the, the group that, um, was kind of asleep. And, uh, Ra said, uh, well, basically um we could only offer the comforts of sleeping and doing a lot of paraphrasing here of course but Don said would your thinking be any different now? And Rob basically said uh, no um we think that's kinda all that you can do. That's the best approach. That's that's the gist of that Q and A and um so that got triggered In my mind, listening to Austin talk about how he is relating to people um, at their level. So basically, uh, Austin is offering the comforts of sleep (laughs) to the sleepers. (laughs) And uh, hopefully he's not saying that. Um, But I I am actually um, doing damage to (laughs) his position by saying that because that wasn't quite his point.
2: I was feeling quite enlightened myself.
0: (laughs) at uh, this point more was rather about meeting people where they are um and and also in that vein um we uh, jim Austin and i were talking with a friend recently of LLs, and this friend had a past in dealing drugs um for some years actually had had, had a system to it and uh, i think it was amphetamines that this person was dealing but um so this person there was long ago in their past, and uh, they attempted to do that activity within their own integrity. You know, not adopting the practices of that dark underworld uh, too too much. Just um, and fast forward twenty years, uh, that person had lost touch with everybody from that world, but had had recently, within the past year, made a reconnection to those people from the drug dealing days. And it turns out that this this friend of ours um, affected their lives profoundly. Um, th- some of them had been seeking this person out for the past 20 years. And when they, they finally reconnected, they said to our friend that um, you are at the basis of our spirituality. You help to awaken us. Um, because our friend had shared her own spirituality in this medium. And it had an effect. Um, point being, love and light goes where it's needed, and it has to meet people at their level. But on that level, you can still, like Austin was saying, um, find ways to slip in love and light. <clears throat> but, so, <laughs> what I had prepared in reply was, I was going to read a few Ra quotes, starting with 47.13. Uh, Ross says... The audience brought about by Orion-type publicity is not seated by seniority of vibration to a great extent. The audiences receiving teach-learnings without stimulus from publicity will be more greatly oriented towards illumination. Therefore, forget you the counting. Commentary. Um, In the mysterious workings of life, there are mechanisms of attraction in play. Um, Each person is drawn to that experience or event or person, or source of information that each needs. Point being, I take from that, we needn't always therefore proactively get on the megaphone. take, for instance, the next Q&A. Don says, Many people on the planet now want this material, but even though we disseminate it, they will not be aware it is available. Is there any possibility of creating some effect, which I would call advertising, or is this against the principle of free will? Ross says, Consider, if you will, the path your life experience has taken. Consider the coincidences and odd circumstances by which one thing flowed to the next. Consider this well. Each entity will receive the opportunity that each needs. And then they go on and say, this information doesn't have use in everybody's life. I think this is a helpful principle to consider because um, principle to consider that... Each entity, and Ra uses the word will, not maybe, not probably, but will receive the opportunity that each needs. So, that which one experiences is a function of that which one is desiring on some level or in some way and in greater depths of purity and, and wholeness. So, keep in mind, but keep in mind though that Ra in this Q&A, is speaking of service that is offered from the standpoint of the confederation. Positive humans and Confederation members do both seek to be of service to others, but the Confederation is not operating by the same playbook. They have different constraints upon them than we do. And, and the final q and A I was going to read for consideration is Ra saying, The best way of service to others is the constant attempt to seek to share the love of the Creator as it is known to the inner self. This involves self-knowledge and the ability to open the self to other self without hesitation. This involves, shall we say, radiating that which is the essence or the heart of the mind-body-spirit complex. And, they say, the best way for each seeker in third density to be of service to others is unique to that mind-body-spirit complex. This means that the person must then seek within itself the intelligence of its own discernment as to the way it may best serve others. This will be different for each. There is no best There is no generalization. Nothing is known. So in the spirit of that Q&A and overlapping with what uh, Jim and Austin said, Jim quoted 17.2, speaks to this as well. uh, You ask for discussion on practical ideas. I think that underneath the practical idea is simply, though difficultly, learning how to be yourself learn how to drop pretense and unnecessary inhibition and, and self-rejection and fear and social anxiety, and then live as you are, true to who you are. And not only will this authentic selfhood radiate effortlessly from you and lighten your environment and lighten even the planet, but it will also find its way into your actions. Uh, whether, like you said, you speak to somebody about a some, uh, somewhat outside-the-box topic like astrology or whether you're simply able to be more present with somebody to listen to them, to sense where they are in their journey and what service it is that they are seeking. Um, yeah, I think you may do more for their evolution to help them with an, say, an emotional difficulty or on a commonplace level than to introduce them to esoteric concepts. Um, or perhaps you may sense that they want to venture outside of their bubble. So you, like Jim was saying, drop seeds of mystery and greater reality. But um, you know what I think is the greatest disruptor to the narratives of separation, which is what you want to do, right? You want to help awaken people from the illusion of separation so that they begin to sense that it is an illusion, that there is a greater understanding in a greater way and a progress and a path that can be made. The greatest disruptor, I think, is love itself. Express love to someone when it's unexpected or undeserved. Express love about another person or group who society deems unworthy of love. Find where there seem to be limits or conditions upon love and go beyond them. I think that is one of the greatest seeds you can drop, more so even than information. Though information has its place and can certainly help to open one's mind and broaden someone's perspective, but think of love. That's where I would conclude, on love. Uh, What do you guys think? Or any further thoughts, rather?
1: I agree with what you
2: said. There's a bit of uh, Charles Eisenstein (laughs) in what you just said. Uh, Like he would call it offering them a new story.
0: Yeah, the the concept and notion of disrupting came from me and Eisenstein, too.
2: Like The whole idea is that, especially like you were talking about if somebody it seems like they don't deserve it, which I think in that context means like society generally would say they don't deserve love, not the the creator says they don't deserve love, but um if it seems like they're it's a situation where like nobody would love that person and they're just conditioned to not receive love, receiving it in that moment is uh, so powerful that it just disrupts their cycle completely to offer them a new story and a new path and opens up a new uh, doorway for them and you can do that just by offering a just some acceptance and love to them in uh, a difficult moment
0: i'm reading a book called just mercy right now and um in continuation of the person who feels they don't deserve love um it's working with death row inmates but uh, the uh the author of the book is and um these are people who definitely feel that they don't um i would think in the main deserve love and then when somebody treats them with respect it can be a paradigm shifting for them even and in this book there's a a black community um in the south who felt disenfranchised by the larger community and when they began receiving this professional attention from a lawyer that was kind of healing and uplifting for them that somebody would turn to them and or find their cause worthy and listen to their their issues. Um, a final thought that rose while listening to you guys and considering my own answer is really a non-urgency and running as a theme through all three of our replies. You know, it, it's drop seeds, it's be what you can or try to meet people at their level, but don't push, don't make any thing don't do this with a sense of urgency per se don't try to change people you know let them be where they are at the same time on this planet i think we're in a unique situation in that uh humanity is i think a case could be made destroying its own biosphere and we know according to ra that this has happened before (laughs) in this solar system Two planets destroyed previously. And I think of um, Eckhart Tolle talking about how humanity doesn't have the luxury any longer of uh, waiting to wake up. You know, it's the only solution to the ongoing ecological crisis. And uh, other crises related to that are the necessity of humanity to wake up. Because if it doesn't, um, and Tolle is a pretty enlightened guy, he says, you know, we're on a path of destruction. We in the law of one community, of course, have a a belief and a feeling and an understanding that um, there's a new density on its way, and that gives us some hope and relief. But um, for those without that sense, I think there could be a lot of despair that... um, Well, despair wasn't the focus of my reply. The focus of my reply is, what do you guys think about... um, the necessity of waking up in as it pertains to our circumstances now. Jim, do
3: you
1: want to go first? Okay. Um, I think it's a really good idea. Uh, I think that uh, we are in a situation where we have what seems to be... Um, oh, what, darker forces in charge of uh, various uh, governments and Middle East activities in the way of civil war. And this is bringing about a lot of emotion, fear, and uh, dread for the future. Uh, What to do right now, the story of separation, as Charles Eisenstein says, is being tested to its fullest as to whether or not it can provide any kind of a solution to this problem. And the problem seems to have gone so far in the way of inter-species-adversary relationships, of degradation of the planet's biosphere and atmosphere, and just in general a lack of the harmony that is so potentially available to all of us that I think we're in the perfect situation With a lot of people like uh, Charles Eisenstein and Russell Brand and others, maybe even LL Research, (laughs) helping out with providing an alternative story. So I think that um, it's under these conditions that maybe we're the ripest for uh, blooming and for harvest, and not under uh, conditions where, say, 20 years ago we were still thinking, well, everything's okay, science will figure it out for us, and, you know, we're... We're just getting better and better and smarter and smarter, and soon we'll have it all under control. I think the conditions are really right, and we're ready to go. We're ready to make the choice to point the needle in one direction and go there. Service to others.
0: Quick follow-up to Jim before you reply, Austin. So uh, I think that's very salient what you describe regarding offering an alternative story. And I think that's what LL is doing and lots of other sources, uh, two of whom you've named. And um, I think that's that's got to be one of the best ways to go about it in terms of taking action, you know, outside of just radiating who you are. But what do you have, do you think there should be any sense of, it's, I hear in our replies a sense of nonchalance about it. Like, you know, we do what we can. And of course we, we can't be too dedicated to outcome. And of course, you don't want to come from fear, but do you have a sense of of necessity slash urgency in there? Or should there be one?
1: You want to take that, Austin? Um, yeah. Uh, I uh,
2: I think that the sense of urgency is real and valid, and in both terms of just non spiritual life, because, like you said, Gary, we are uh, approaching, or we actually have passed, uh, sort of a point of no return as far as harm to the Earth goes. Not that we can't make the Earth better again, but that, um, it's, it's just, uh, it's harmed to a point where there are species that have gone extinct because of human activity on the Earth's surface, and those species will not live again. So things like that. So there is certainly, uh, an urgency there and in the Law of One. But uh, how we handle this urgency, I think, is the important aspect. A good analogy that I like to utilize is thinking about it in terms of sort of rowing down a stream. And the current is pretty strong at this moment, I'd say. And with this sense of urgency, there's sort of a panic Uh, there's stream, the current is strong, we have to make sure that we don't um, wreck this canoe. And we can paddle as hard as we can against the current and um, try our best to avoid destruction by working really hard or we can find the way that um, utilizes a light touch where we can move with the stream but make minor adjustments here and there to allow the canoe to flow with the river, uh, and avoid destruction without struggling too hard, because if you struggle too hard, then you will get worn out. You might cause more trouble than you started with by doing that. If you sit there and don't do anything, then we might uh, end up on the side of the river, stalled out, or completely overturned. Um, But taking action is important, I think, and it is important more now than in other times. Um, but it's about how you take action. I think if you w- go into society with an attitude that uh, I need to wake people up, people need to wake up to spirituality because it's spirituality that's going to save us, I don't think that's going to work because um, it's not just a light switch like that. Um, but you can be active in providing service and acting as an example. There are lots of opportunities to offer love, as an example, and uh, you can express the urgency that way. You can um, do your best to reach the representatives that represent us in the government, uh, if you believe that the government <laughs> should uh, change or be involved in fixing things. Or you can volunteer, and um, just acting as a point of light. You can still express that urgency by being active and uh, pushing yourself to do so without pushing others to sort of share your urgency. I guess that's where I come at it from. There is urgency, it is valid, but how we approach that urgency
0: is what's important. Great replies from both of you. That's an excellent analogy that really hit home. Uh, regarding dealing with strong currents in the river. Um, I agree. If you come from a place of alarm or fear, then your reply may not be calibrated in the best way and may just um, cause a countermeasure or equal force in reaction to you. But at the same time, you don't want to do especially in circumstances such as we live. I mean, you don't want to necessarily do nothing, though beingness has a place, of course. (laughs) So, not that... Ross says there are no generalizations, so you can't say that there's a one-size-fits-all type of response, but there's a calibration of intensity that serves a circumstance, and I think, Austin, you hit on a principle of how one might go about calibrating that intensity, and I think it is a way of... Of flow, um, in a way that works with um, a source like the the Tao, Tao Te Ching. Um, in terms of finding ways to work with the energies of the moment and to shift those energies from where they are, potentially to a new space to help evolve them, like you said, Austin, it's not a switch. Mm. But anyways, thank you both for those replies. Do you guys have anything further to offer?
1: Well, I would just say that uh, the world we're talking about, the one that Charles Eisenstein talks about, the more beautiful world our hearts know is true, is not a world that uh, particularly responds to fear or is governed by fear in any way or contains fear. Mm -hmm. So I think that in our approach to letting people know what is in our hearts and what is in their hearts, that uh, we don't need to introduce any kind of a feeling of um, panic or rush or fear or confusion. Just have faith. You know, the faith is the important thing in this density that all is truly well, no matter what things appear like, and that if we want to move into that more beautiful world, our hearts know it's true, then we need to behave as though we are already there and in our own minds, and we are helping other people to get there. So, you know, I'd say just uh, have faith, and whenever you come across an opportunity to share love, like Gary says, do it. <laughs> when in doubt, love. That's the um,
2: perennial message of <laughs> our type of spirituality. I think Michael Jackson summed it up in saying, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look in the mirror and make a change.
0: <laughs> well, replies are formulating in my mind, but I think you guys both ended that eloquently and well. So yeah. We're
1: uh, running a bit over, too.
0: Jim, would you like to say something to our listeners?
1: Well, friends, we really do appreciate you listening to us. And we especially appreciate when you send us questions. And we are absolutely floored and flattered and stunned when you send us your love. So please know that we're sending you our love back. And we, we know that all of us together can make this world a love that's full of world, A world full of love because that's <laughs> already the truth.
0: You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast rather, bi-weekly podcast in the now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening. And a special thank you to those who submitted questions, Vanessa in this case. If you'd like to send us a question before the next show, please do so and read the instructions on our page at org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon Eastern, Have a wonderful couple of weeks and we'll talk with you next time.